Welcome to the Breathe Life Podcast. I'm Fahim Mujahid, a Miami-based integrative health and life coach, fitness and nutrition expert, personal trainer, and private yoga and meditation teacher. Each week, we'll explore meaningful content surrounding the importance and impact of living a life of mindfulness or inspiring interviews with the same intention. Together, we'll incorporate a variety of topics given with the same intention to educate, enrich, and inspire one's life. Welcome home. All right, guys, what's going on? So I have, so today's a special day for a number of reasons, but the number one reason why today is a special day is I get an opportunity to have uh, a beautiful conversation with someone that means the world to me, but I find, and I draw so much inspiration from who she is, her story, the work that she does. Um, her and I have been on this journey together in movement and in, and in wisdom and in healing for a short period of time, but I feel like I've known her for a long time. I think that what I hope to have to do or to create space is to really create a platform for beautiful spirits, just like this person that I'm gonna to present to you soon, because I really think that their story is, I don't know, they have a way of resonating and inspiring people. And I think it's our job as a community and as just individuals to create as many opportunities for their voice to be heard. So I'm excited to introduce the team, um, the tribe to Angie Sanchez. Angie, welcome to Brief Life. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. This has been a long time coming, but it's always perfect timing, right? Yep. And it's crazy because I feel like I'm introducing you to the Breathe Life Tribe, but you're so you're so a part of the Breathe Life Tribe. It's like I feel like I'm introducing you to yourself. That's accurate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It always feels like home. when it comes to breathe life, when it comes to you, when it comes to anything involving your mission and the fact that I get to be a part of it um, is always such an honor. Like, I'm so excited to be here right now. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you. You know, and, and the reason why this conversation means so much to me, I said it a little bit on the onset, but I really do energetically and just your story. I think the work that you do, you have a very no-nonsense, kindness, empathetic, but seriousness approach to your work. And I think anyone that knows you knows that you're, you, you know, you have the kindest heart out of anyone, but you do this beautiful way of applying boundaries where people know where those boundaries are. And they, not only do they come to it from a place of love, but they come to it from a place of awareness. And by creating that platform, I think you give people an opportunity to really step into who they really are. I know some of the people with whom you work with as a coach, but I want to kind of have you introduce who you are to our audience, but also how you would define the work that you do as a, as a, as a coach. So on paper, uh, my credentials are INHC, which means Integrative Nutrition Health Coach. Shout out. And yeah, and you are one too, so you know what I'm talking about, IIN. Um, that's, that's what I do on paper. And I chose that path because I felt that health was more than just the food on your plate. It went beyond that. So I, I found our certification and I felt it was very um, it was all-encompassing of what I felt that, that health was about and how it should be addressed. So I went on that journey and eventually I found, I guess, my, my specialization, my niche which was emotional intelligence, which is emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I speak about EQ, that's what I'm referring to. And that's, that's the, the, I guess, my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say my bread and butter because it's, it's uh, 
not what pays the bills, but it's like what I'm about and what I stand for. Mm. And so I coach individuals from all over all over the world and helping them strengthen and cultivate their emotional intelligence as it pertains to their health. So it's a, it's an approach to health that covers a little bit of food and a little bit of exercise, but it also includes your relationships and your career and your spirituality um, in a way where if you're experiencing some sort of disharmony or imbalance, mm. we go ahead and address those things by strengthening your emotional intelligence first and mm. giving you the tools needed in order to bring that balance back. And I feel that a very conducive way to do that is by addressing the individual from an emotional standpoint, mm -hmm. where there are so many people that hear about this and, and the first thing that they ask is, why wasn't this taught in school? Right. So this is, uh, although it may sound basic at first, when you get deep into it, you're just like, wow. Like, yeah. where was this XYZ years ago and I needed it? And of course, this also is very special to me and very dear to me because it played a big role in my own personal journey about a decade ago. Mm. So this was something that I felt that I needed back when I was in college 10 years ago and I never had it. So I made it my mission to be that for the people and, and, and use that and, and teach people that for the people who, who needed it and who need it. Yeah. So then, is it fair to say you would agree with, and I and I forget the person with whom the quote is attached to, but a true hero is a person that learns how to heal themselves and yes. then uses those tools to heal other people. That that's what it seems is like. me. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's yeah. uh, and I think there's another one that says something to the extent of once you you find your healing, mm -hmm. go and take that and heal someone else. Yeah. yeah. You know what I think I I really really like love about how you coach is the fact that you talk about things in a way that people you make people feel comfortable but you're having those conversations that aren't usually comfortable to have so even just kind of like the terminology of thinking about eq and the application and how you use that as a as a path to really engage and help people step into that healing i noticed that for me it was i wouldn't say it was a challenge but it's something that took me a while to figure out my path as a coach for you, was that clear from you from the very beginning when you started coaching or did you find that although you use, because just as you could rely a lot on EQ, I'm sure there were other elements that added to your healing. Why was it specifically so pertinent to you that you use emotional intelligence as your path to kind of engage and help people step into that awareness? It was not very clear at first mm. um, because I felt that I was trying to find where I excelled in the most as far as being a teacher. And for that, it, it was just health, so to speak. And then I started to notice in my sessions with clients that my story, because they would ask me all mm -hmm. the time, uh, my story really impacted them in some way. Mm. And unintentionally, I was already teaching them these tools. However, it was brought to my awareness that, you know, maybe this is my forte. Mm. This is kind of like what needs to lead the way in my coaching and what my programs and my content needs to be based on. That has to be the foundation. And sure enough, that's where I made the shift maybe two years into my coaching practice. Nice. Um, it's been almost five now. Oh, and congrats. it's, thank you. And it's been, it's definitely what leads the way right now. Um, 
it's something that I, what I've noticed is unless people are in, in pain, mm-hmm. they really don't want to address it. Yeah. Because emo- talking about emotional intelligence is something that requires a great deal of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And if you are not willing to do that, it's, t- it's a little bit difficult to kind of get somebody you know, on that page. However, yeah. I find that when people shift their perspective on vulnerability and they see it as something that's very powerful because it does take a lot more courage to be open mm-hmm. than it does to be closed, they're like ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely work with a very particular type of client, mm-hmm. a very high caliber client, uh, vulnerability being one of the criteria that's needed in order for us to work together um, and for emotional intelligence to really be received as beautifully and as powerfully as, as I feel that um, it can be received and, and move mountains in that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's funny because I find, too, that, you know, I agree with you as far as vulnerability, it's the gateway, I feel, to living a life of true fulfillment. Right. It's only through being vulnerable that you're able to ask yourself the important questions that you need to ask yourself to figure out what that truth is for you. So for someone that's listening to you who are you know, still trying to figure things out and put the pieces together a little bit, and they could potentially be one of your rock star clients in the future. But maybe they want the first steps towards becoming more comfortable with being vulnerable. Right. What are what, what what were some some of the insight or maybe one or two of the tips you would give someone that was having a hard time? Because I think the way we're conditioned to believe is to in a lot of ways to see vulnerability as weakness. So we're conditioned to avoid it for so long. But you and I both know how powerful it can be. Um, is there one or two things that you can give someone that maybe by the sound of your voice could kind of use now as a tool to kind of tap into that? So the first thing that I would suggest is to become self-expressed around the people that you are comfortable with mm-hmm. and kind of you know listen to their feedback and, and listen to what they have to say about whatever whatever it is you're going through or your story and so forth and I think that the more you do that with people that you become comfortable with the easier it becomes to even speak about the thing that you're speaking about mm-hmm. and so um, that's how it, it was with me at first you know I started doing that with my coach whom I hired mm-hmm. over six years ago and I noticed that the more I spoke to him about everything that was going on and everything that I wanted to work on the more clear I became mm-hmm. on what my outcome was mm-hmm. and what I wanted it to be so I think that also something that holds people back from speaking their truth is not just that they care about what people think mm-hmm. but it's because they're not very clear as to maybe what created it or what caused it or where they want to go with it or what it even means. Mm. So I also find that the more you talk about it with people, the better they're able to help you understand kind of, you know, what's going on. And then the more that you do it, the more comfortable you become doing it with other people. So Mm -hmm. the second suggestion would be once you get, you get to that point where you're very clear on, Mm -hmm. on your self expression and, and how you want to be vulnerable, it's, it's kind of like a mindset shift where you have mm. to understand that your story mm. and your dialogue and the way that you say things and the way you word things and, and certain details can really, really impact somebody's life and give them permission to do the same thing. Mm. So the second, I guess, suggestion would be summed up in that you give permission to other people to say their story because there's something about your story or the way that you say things or your truth that can really hit home for them and Mm -hmm. 
really create massive impact. And I think that what most people on this planet seek most is to be understood, mm-hmm. uh, even more than being happy. Mm-hmm. Because being understood is very profound. And when you're understood by somebody, I mean, it creates so much shift and so much impact. And I feel that you can only be understood if you speak up. Right. So it's like you don't know who's listening to you. Mm -hmm. You don't know who you're impacting. You don't know who you're influencing when you say your story. Therefore, it's not just about you. Yeah. So when you're scared to speak up and be vulnerable, remember that it's not about you. It's about the message and it's about who you can actually help by speaking up and being vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and and, and just kind of piggybacking off of just speaking up and having your story and having your voice, you know, you're extremely successful at what you do and you're and you're so inspiring to a lot of coaches in our community when when you when you started this journey initially and you think about other coaches around the world from from whom you draw inspiration from did you find that for you it took you getting out of your own way to start becoming a coach because i know a lot of things or a lot of times you hear it said that okay well what difference would my voice make if someone's already saying this did you find that that's something that you wrestled with as you got started or did you always have a strong belief in knowing that even if it's being said the way in which you're saying it is something that specifically resonates because of how you deliver it and there's going to be people that are drawn to you for that reason i have i feel fortunate enough to always have been very outspoken and i think that back then it would get me more in trouble (laughs) versus now and so i think that i've become a lot more gentle and more empathetic when I speak and in using my voice. So I struggled with it from in another way mm-hmm. where it was, you know, Angie, you need to be more mindful, you know, when you speak and more intentional mm-hmm. and things like that. So um, I would see other coaches that would inspire me kind of do their thing the way that I would want to do my thing. Mm-hmm. And they just always reaffirmed that, you know, it's okay to do it this way and it's okay to do it that way and then there were the coaches who don't do it that way where for example for me they didn't really impact me or move mm-hmm. me or I didn't resonate with them but that's fine because that just meant that like I wasn't their target market so to speak yeah. so that's another thing mm-hmm. when you speak up and you do it the way that you do it, it what you offer mm-hmm. is very secondary people want to work with you or people want you know to hire you or people want to be around you because it's you Mm. so if i was i always told myself if i don't do it like that in the way that's most authentic to me Mm -hmm. then how are the people that are looking for me gonna know that i exist right yeah so that's a beautiful way to look at mm -hmm. it you know one of the takeaways from i had gone to a number of your workshops and one of the takeaways that stays with me even to this day is your concept not your concept but your your approach to fear mm-hmm. and how you're saying and I and I know I'm going to butcher it but you said something to the extent of if there's fear to doing something it's because there's a small part of you that may not necessarily have the confidence that you can do it yeah so I'll let, I'll let you no, I'll let you that say sounds it, about right? right yeah and I speak about it in many versions so the way right. that you said it was beautiful as it is yeah so I I look at fear, um, sometimes I I simultaneously use fear and discomfort Mm -hmm. because a lot of times when I'm feeling uncomfortable it's because I'm scared of something. Mm. So I feel that that's almost like a a recipe that's necessary Mm. or that's necessary for the recipe to success. Right. So I, I always talk about fear in a way of 
managing your relationship to it instead of trying to get rid of it. Mm. And so I use it as a driver and I use it as fuel. And when it's present for me, instead of being like, go away, I'm like, right. what's there for me? Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of like how I would describe my relationship with fear and how I educate my clients and mm. in strengthening their relationship with fear because I think it's you can have a healthy relationship with fear where it doesn't have to completely take your power away mm -hmm. and you can use it as a way to propel you forward. Now, do, would you agree with those who believe that fear usually leads to potentiality of purpose? Like, do you seek out moments where you don't necessarily feel the most comfortable, like whether it be jumping in front of a stage. I mean, you've mastered that, so I'm, I'm sure you don't have I'm much fear doing with that. <laughs> but like like doing things outside of your comfort zone, do you seek out those moments that, that draw up that fear for you because you know the power and the potential behind it? Or do you just kind of take a different approach when those moments occur? I definitely like, seek them out. Yeah. And I would say in the last two or three months, mm -hmm. I've purposefully sought them out like quickly like yeah. one after the other and I actually just finished doing that yeah. with you and doing dark mode yeah I'm excited about talking about that I'm excited and we and, and I'm, I'm excited to share that because that's been such a beautiful journey to see you step into that truth you know one of the things I wanted to piggyback on just before we go into dark mode because I know that's going to take this conversation to a, a new stratosphere you know, you, you had mentioned something about always having it come somewhat easy to you to be, um, to communicate, to be vocal about how you communicate and how you present whatever it is that you're feeling from an early age. And whereas, on the, you know, maybe when you were younger, it wasn't necessarily seen as a tool or a gift. And I'm finding that when you do this long enough and you live long enough, you almost realize or come to a point where you realize that a lot of those things that came easy, easily for you, whether it be approaching strangers or whether it be seeing yourself in other people, whether it be being boisterous and talking about how you're feeling, as you get older, especially as you get into this work of helping other people, those things that you didn't necessarily value become some of the most powerful tools that you have, mm -hmm. right? So when I think about what you had mentioned about always coming from a place of being able to be um, confident and, and speak in that way and, and present yourself in that way. At what point do you remember where it shifted to where you started realizing that, hey, you know what? I was looking at this thing that entirely wrong from since I could remember. Let me shift the way I'm looking at this and see it more as a tool and an access in a way that can help me tap into other people. Like, when did that shift happen for you? I can think of two very different moments that it happened for me. The first one was in college when I was 20 or 21. It was. Yeah, I was either junior or senior year of college and I had to take a mandatory public speaking class mm. for my major. And people who have come to my workshops or seen me speak on stage at events are always, when they hear me say this, they don't believe me. But mm. public speaking used to be my biggest fear. Yeah. Like, it would paralyze me. Like, mm. I would shake, I would sweat, my voice would crack. I, Is it true it's the top two? Fear and all of it's the top fear, even over death. Oh wow! Yeah, people have a very difficult time with public speaking for the most part. See, there you go. And you so I knew, and it was like they were like, "You have to take this class. Like, mm. This is just mandatory. You have to get through it." And then, of course, instead of it being like 
a large auditorium class, which believe it or not is a little better because you're not making eye contact with people, you just see heads. Yeah. This was a class that had maybe 25, 30 people. Oh, wow. And I remember being like, well, I'm going to have to somehow get through this. And I remember the first speech was atrocious. Mm. And it reminded me of just like how scared I was of it. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to have to do it. And then we had to do as our second speech, a persuasive speech. Mm. And I do consider myself to be a highly persuasive person. Extremely. Extreme. (laughs) However, when you put me on a stage having to do that with like no public speaking experience, that strength all of a sudden becomes a weakness. Mm. And so it wasn't until I prepared for it and I did exactly what I was told to do. I followed a system Mm -hmm. that I was able to like kind of start to like see the light where Mm. I did it again and then I did it again. And then when I delivered, I was like, oh my God, like I'm actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. And it it was like I felt that internally but I also needed that validation where every single time we had a speech the professor always picked the person who did the best speech for that category and sure enough it was me for that one wow and I asked for for like what was it that worked so well and you know I got my feedback and I just started building off of it where I'm like wow like I can really do this and Mm. then the second time that it came up for me was when I started to become a lot more vocal on social media when I first began my coaching practice. It's probably like sometime during the first year, it wasn't straight at first, where Mm -hmm. I just, I treat social media when I do posts and create content as like a dialogue. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not there just to post quotes all day. I talk about my experiences or my thoughts or things like that. And I can't even tell you how many people have reached out to me because of certain things that I've written where they're like, I feel like you were talking to me. Mm. I feel like that was meant for me. Mm. You sounded exactly like me. You sounded like the thoughts in my head or the feelings that I feel in my heart. Like I feel understood by you. And a lot of those people have ended up becoming my clients just because of my voice Mm. and my voice almost being a voice for them because they somehow were not able to vocalize what they were feeling or put it into words and it wasn't until I did it whether it was through writing or through a video that they were almost able to like tap into that freedom so to speak Mm. so those were the two moments that it became very apparent for me you know I love that and what I find and I agree I think you're one of the most inspiring followers that I have um you know, when I think about kind of like what it means to be vulnerable and open in that way, I I learned early on that you can't just tip your toe in the water. You almost like that. You have to submerge yourself. You can't pick and choose. Maybe I'll share a percentage of that and not share a percentage of this. It's like the degree in which you're willing to be vulnerable is a degree of your impact, especially when it comes to that platform. Um, you know, it's funny when you think about like even the gift of persuasion and you know, I, growing up, that was always kind of like a tool that I, it was kind of looked at, oh, well, that's just who Fahim is. But it wasn't necessarily, again, until I got older, that I was like, oh, wow, well, are you using this tool for good? And are you using this tool to impact and, and to connect? And what I started doing is I started going through a lot of those stories or a lot of those things that I devalued that come natural to me. And I think a lot of times, because they come so natural to you, you almost, by proxy, you almost devalue it. Right. It's only it's, it's almost like you need someone else to be like, 
no, the fact that you can connect with these 10 people in this room, that's a gift. You may not necessarily see it as a gift because it comes so naturally to you, but you put nine people in that same position and they may connect with one or two, but you can go in there and resonate and connect and make people feel as if they've been hurt and do that across the board in a matter of minutes. That's a gift. So how did you, when you even think about persuasion and you think about how you can communicate yourself, when you know those are examples of when you kind of really started realizing okay this is something that i can actually use in a positive way but even finding that it's something of value right the 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 aspects of who you are as a beautiful spirit and a beautiful person that comes natural to you because it comes so natural to you did you always find it hard to place value to it at first i think i did and it, mm. it took other people pointing it out yeah and Pointing, at, pointing it out in a way where they're like, I need help in that department. You're so good at X, Y, Z. Mm. And, you know, I've always been appreciative of that. And I, you know, I've, I've always asked, well, what would you want to do with that? And, you know, they'll tell me. And it's typically I'll find it with a lot of entrepreneurs or aspiring coaches or even I have a lot of clients in the real estate industry who are just in these fields that are seen as um sharks like mm-hmm. sales salesy people who are like you know yeah. you know they get a bad rap for that and so yeah. I think that they saw that I was able that I was good at certain things that I you know I just asked them okay so would you like me to break that down for you so it wasn't until I was asked mm. for help in certain areas that I actually had to look at the things I was supposedly good good at and mm-hmm. literally create like system and break it down because I had never taken the time to do that because it did come natural Mm. and I think the one thing that has helped the most personally professionally and with clients Mm -hmm. is fine-tuning the skill of empathy Mm. empathy is everything Mm. in my opinion I think it is the key to success Mm. and think about what it is it's the ability to put yourself in someone else's someone else's shoes and understand how they feel and what they see and what they perceive from their frame of reference. Mm. You don't have to agree with them, yeah. but it's seeking to understand why they view the world the way they do and why they feel the way they do. And I think that when you're able to do that, mm-hmm. you can use it as leverage to really helping somebody and whatever they need help with. And from a business perspective, if you're able to do that, that basically means that you understand your avatar's pain, Mm -hmm. their pain points, the problems that they're experiencing, which means you really have to get in their head. You have to see how they think, how they speak, how they act, what they purchase, what they like, what they don't like. Mm -hmm. And then you're able to create an offering of some sort that matches Um, or that's a solution to that problem that they need help with. So I feel that just empathy is everything. Like I said, most people, in my experience, just want to be understood. So if you're able to do that and practice empathy, you'll be successful in anything that you do. I love that. You know, it, 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 it speaks to, your story speaks to how important the community of people that you surround yourself how important they are, right? I think it's uh, Jedediah Jenkins is an author that I love, and I met him at a global um, Lululemon event, and he had written a book recently called Awakening the Sleeping Self. And he talks about how he went to school at USC to become an attorney or lawyer. And as he's working in this law firm, as they came up with different marketing campaigns, they would say, oh, give it to, you know, give it to Jedediah. Jedediah, how would you write it? You're good at writing it. 
and now he's a published author. So he never thought he was good at, he never valued how good he was at writing. It took someone else to see his gift for him to really be able to step into it. You know, in, in full transparency, so there's two things I want to speak to. One, both you and I are beautiful healers, but also movers. And where we're recording, as we always record each podcast, is in my movement studio, right? So there's going to be a little bit of movement. If you guys are hearing anything in the background, it's because there's a beautiful Pilates flow going on, as well as a, a movement flow going on next door. So I apologize for the noise, but we're taking it in our natural flow. And then the other thing is, you know, I think... In, in, in full disclosure, I think I get so much inspiration from our conversation that I know that the idea initially was to be able to jump up here and jump straight into dark mode. But I think, and, and I know you guys are probably scooting to the edge of your seats to figure out what dark mode is. <laughs> um, and I'll give you guys just a little bit of context because with if it's not too much, what I would love to do is have a part two to this conversation. I wanna be mindful of our time um, today and, and we move some stuff around so we can record on a day that we wouldn't usually record. So Angie was kind enough to go out her way and to fit us in today. So hopefully next Thursday, maybe you see what look, see what it works for you and we'll jump straight to the dark mode. Mm-hmm. But today I like the fact that it was all about learning a little bit of who you are and more importantly, learning about your, 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 uh, your coaching philosophies. So what I would love to do is I would love to finish our or conclude our conversation with what I call answers. Cliffhanger. Well, answers, <laughs> answers that anchor, okay. right? So the cliffhanger, I guess, would be dark mode. Um, but then, but the intention behind these questions are just to ask them to you, and whatever comes up, you just share it in your authentic so voice. So basically, don't think. Don't overthink up. it. Let your subconscious <laughs> drive the bus on this okay. one. Okay. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Costa Rica. Wow, beautiful, okay. How do you move? Intuitively. How do you heal? Intentionally. What feels right. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel? I feel very deeply. Mm-hmm. I'm a very emotional, feely person. I mm-hmm. feel very profoundly. Nice. And then it's one thing you know for sure that everything is figure outable. There is oh my always God. a is solution. That yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to. <laughs> Shout out though. Shout, Shout out. out though, yeah. yeah she yeah. just took out the book. There you go. Uh, great book. There you that, go. But that everything always has a solution. Yeah. Always, which is why I don't believe problems exist. Mm-hmm. I believe that there is a solution to everything. Mm-hmm. And there isn't anything, at least I feel, that could be handed to me where I will not be able to find a solution for. I love that. I love that. And last, and lastly, but also most importantly, what are you currently working on and how can the listeners get in contact with you or follow you? So I'm actually putting together my final workshop of the year, whoop, whoop, whoop. which is in less than two weeks. Congrats in advance. Thank you. <laughs> it's called Master Your Money and it actually has to do with how emotions impact your relationship with money from an abundance perspective and a scarcity perspective and how um, we all have like a money story and it's Mm. very important to know, number one, where it originated, what contributed to it. Therefore, you have to understand it in order to heal it and rewrite it in a way where it's in alignment with where you wanna go. And a lot of people have no idea how effed up their money stories are, um, which we take on from our parents and grandparents and um, our environment that we grew up in. So I wanted to do a workshop on this. It's the second one that I am doing on money and it's my final one of the year. So that's what I have coming up like 
like I said, in less than two weeks. And then next year, look for my business finally being scaled. Nice. And I will have some sort of offering slash service mm-hmm. uh, on top of just one-on-one coaching that I do right now in mm-hmm. person and online. Fantastic. People that, can find me on there Instagram. You go. I want to say shout out Instagram. Yeah, what's your, what's your handle? At I am Angie Sanchez. Okay. I am not very active on Facebook, so if you want to reach out to me, definitely. Is anybody still Instagram. active on Facebook? There are a lot of people that are, and that's okay. that's what they use as their funnel, and then then that's all that they focus on. So oh, okay. I've found that just focusing on one plat- platform and making that like your yeah. your thing is the way to go. So for me, it's Instagram. I love that. Well, you first of all, you crushed that, right? So on behalf of the gift of the tribe and myself, we're going to make sure that you leave with an anchor, whether that be the lacrosse ball itself. Obviously, you know, that's a special place in my heart or the lacrosse ball pin or the lacrosse ball sticker. But on behalf of myself and the Breed White tribe, we want you to take that gift and attach it or connect it with any kind of vehicle to help you get to arrive at your own anchor. Share that, share that with us on our next conversation yeah. so ladies and gentlemen there you have it Angie Sanchez Angie thank you again for coming out of your way to share with My us pleasure. and I look forward to part two part two here we go alright alright guys peace Hey Tribe, so if you're excited about the Breathe Life content and you want to find other ways to stay connected, the next time you're on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, be sure to type in Fahim Mujahid or Breathe Life into the search bar and check out all the mindful things we have going on on your favorite platform.